Hello, agents, and welcome to Podcast 13. As you probably already guessed from our episode title, listeners, we have an extraordinarily special guest with us today. I'm so beyond excited to introduce the delightful and talented Eddie McClintock, who, you know, plays a character named Pete on Warehouse 13. We are indescribably thrilled to have you here today, Eddie. Oh, hey, guys. Um, I'm so- Eddie couldn't uh, show up today. <laughs> but um, so I'm his second cousin. <laughs> cool. Gil do. I know, I know some things about him, so. I, hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. It's, um, I, I saw what you guys were doing on Twitter, and um, I liked what you guys had to say. And um, this is really, like, only the second. I did a second or third podcast I've really ever done, so I'm, I'm kind of nervous. But, um I really uh, commend you guys for what you do. I think it's, uh, you know, you, you got to have a go get them attitude, you know, and, and I appreciate that with you guys. So thank you for having me on. Thank you thank so much you. for being here. All right. I guess we'll kick it off with the questions. Um, we're just going to start real fun and easy. I guess we just want to know what are some of your favorite memories or episodes or scenes from your time on the show and like what sticks with you from that time? Well, I'll start at the beginning. Um, I, at the beginning of my career, I played a lot of, um, you know, kind of the Joey character from Friends, kind of the the good looking, really dumb guys, (laughs) which kind of in Hollywood, you're either, if you're, I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see, if you're good looking, you are either dumb or you're very, very serious, <laughs> you know? Um, so you either have to be like this super serious hero or you have to be dumb. And um, so I was fitting, I was fitting right in with the quote unquote attractive dummies. And um, <laughs> I just one day said to my manager, I was like, you know, I just don't see this going. Like, I think that it's a, it's too restrictive and finite. This is back when I thought I was going to have a career. So I was like, you know, I, I just want to, um, I don't want to do those anymore. I don't want to do the, I don't want to do the attractive dumb guy anymore. So, um, it took a while for, for the, for the business to kind of go, Oh, okay. He's going to do this. And I got hired on bones to play, um, Sully on, on bones. It was really the first time in my career where I played a strong male character who was competent, but at the same time he was, you know, I guess he was like the Pete starter kit. (laughs) You know, um, he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't go full Pete, but he was kind of the starter kit for me. And it, and it, it was a, it was a, an affirmation for me that, okay, they accept me as that. So it gave me some confidence to go forward. And, and, um, so a big memory, uh, a good memory bringing, getting back to the question, um, you know, uh, when I, when I finally auditioned for, for Pete and, um, the, you know, the uh, the exec producer told me later on after we had shot like four or five uh, shows, he goes, you know, your initial uh, audition was very funny. It was very entertaining and it was great, but I just didn't think it was right for this show because initially the character was written as, you know, a, a the, the handsome like, you know, David Decut very serious, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was it, the show itself was supposed to be more like, um, like, uh, uh, God, what was that show? The, the X-Files? Yeah, it was supposed <laughs> to be, it was supposed to be more X-Files than, than anything else. And, um, the, uh, the head of the network saw, you know, I was in my, uh, um, the initial test and Joanne, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but, um, we were going through, 
we were reading for the network. So there's like 25 network executives sitting in a room, you know, like this, you know, <laughs> all saying, you know, dance, monkey boy. And, um, and Joanne accidentally called me. It was the scene from the pilot with the bloodstone when um, Pete kind of shows up late and she's like, you know, you're late Latimer. And, and um, she calls me a show, a showboat. <laughs> and Joanne, Joanne accidentally called me a showbot. <laughs> and, and we're standing there and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her. And I just, uh, I just broke out into like the robot. <laughs> and, uh, robot. and then I did like a Michael Jackson kick with the, with the crotch grab. <laughs> and, the, and everybody like, it was 50-50, I would say, between <clears throat> horrified and, and um, amused. And, um, you know, of course, Joanne's very serious. She thought I was ruining it, so she punched me in the shoulder, and I was like, ow! And then everybody laughed, and um, when we left the room... Uh, Mark Stern, who was the head of uh, sci-fi at the time, turned around to the room and said, there's the show. So, so it, was, it was interesting because it kind of, um, on what could have been, you know, an actor's biggest fear is to make a mistake in the test. You know, we made a mistake. We, we played through it. We showed, like, some humanity and some, some silliness for me, of course. And it was the juxtaposition of, of, of Joanne's, pen, you know, frustration and my willingness to just play, play it off and to go with it. And, and it kind of, um, it became the show. That's so that's really probably, awesome. That's the longest answer to the shortest question in, in the history of podcasts. I think. No, we love, we love hearing it. And it's perfect because my first question was, what was the audition process like? Which it seems like you just answered kind of two questions at once. Um, I am curious, though, about how you found that role or your agent, if you were like what you were looking for and how different that was. Well, um, as I said, I did. I had done Sully on Bones and I was I was kind of under the impression that that um, everything would go smoothly from there. And, um, and it, then I went after bones, I went through a dry spell where I just, I wasn't working at all. We had just had, we had had our first baby boy and, um, we were in the process of having our second baby boy and I hadn't worked and we had this house and cars and all this stuff. And I just was like, uh, you know, I was losing it and I went somewhere. And when I came back, it was pilot season, and I, I remember um, my manager saying, well, you know, this, this warehouse, that Warehouse 13 thing that you went in on, they're still around. They're, they've come back. And I was like, oh, really? So, you know, I was like, oh, you know, lifeline, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went to the... I went to the test, and usually by the time you get to the test, there's maybe one other Pete and one other Micah, maybe two or three at the most. When I got there, there were six Pete's oh my gosh. And, and six Micahs. So immediately, my <clears throat> my lifeline had gotten that was now a uh was like dental floss you know <laughs> um so that was discouraging and then they were like okay we're gonna mi mix and match you guys <laughs> and um all you know by the time lunch had come around i i still hadn't gone in with joanne and i was like oh she must not be very good because they haven't paired her with me yet <laughs> i always like to poke joanne with that <laughs> uh, no, uh, but they, it, I hadn't gone in with her and at lunch they, they, you know, they do the, the walk up and they were like, um, you know, uh, Bill, Steve, John, Rachel, Margaret, uh, Ellen, thank you. You guys can go. 
And, um, you know, like, they're like walking out going, so is this, are we, should we, and they're like, no, you can just go. And it's, <laughs> that's the thing about this, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. And you either go, okay, that sucked. And you go home and you punch the punching bag and then you, re you regenerate and you, <laughs> put your actor armor on and go back in or, or, you know, you go back to the Midwestern state that you were born from. Luckily in that particular uh, instance, I was one of the people picked to stay. Um, and then um, two, two a group had gone in and um, they came back out and the director poked his head out of the door and said, John, John, uh, well, no, John left. Uh, John got sent home. Uh, Bill, uh, he, Bill, come here, come here. And he put his arm around this guy and he walked him down the hall away from us. And I just was like, I lost it. And, you know, the other Pete's and Micah's are sitting there on the couch. And I was like, I took my tie off. I go, you know what? That's it, man. That's it. Okay. <laughs> You know what? I can't, you know, let me just tell you a story. I just had my second baby, my second. So I have two, two babies sitting at home. Like they're like two little birds in the desk and they've got their necks stretched up to the sky and they're, they're, they're just waiting for me to, you know, fly in and regurgitate the worm. And guess what guys? I got no worm. I got no freaking worm. And like, they're all like, <laughs> whoa, okay, somebody's off his meds, right? And Joanne, who, this is how I picture it, she's sitting on the couch, like, in an, you know, Indian style, you know, doing some kind of yoga pose. And she's <laughs> like, dude, dude. I mean, I still think she doesn't know my name. It's, it's still dude. Like, I just wrote her <laughs> the other day and she's like dude how are you so she's like dude 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 what's the problem man it's, it's all gonna be this is no and this is all gonna be fine i'm like no no it's the you know with the and i have i have no worm man <laughs> um and then the casting director poked her head out the door and she was like joanne eddie you guys are next and joanne looked at me and i kind of looked at her and she was like, see? And then, you know, so it, the rest is history, you know? And and, um, and Joanne and I have had that relationship ever since, you know? And like, the, you know, the, the relationship, I think that's one of the things that made it like seem so real or whatever is because it really was. I mean, you know, Joanne is way more buttoned up than I am. Like, I would show up, you know, I'm like, oh, what are we doing today? Hey, guys. Hey, hey. So Joanne kind of comes in. She needs her coffee. She's like, um, you know, are you ready for scene 36 today? And I'm like, what? What's, what's scene 36? She was like, are you serious? Are you serious? Three-page scene. You don't know it? And I'm like, I, you know, like, I'll get to it. I'll get, you can't get to it. You know, meanwhile, she's been like, she has copious notes in her script. You know, it looks like um, it looks like a, some kind of a manifesto that the Unabomber. <laughs> I was like, dude, why does your script look like a Unabomber manifesto? And she's like, dude, just shut up, okay? <laughs> but you know, like that was her process, and my process was a little. It wasn't. It wasn't like I. I did. I wasn't showing up ill prepared. It's just I prepared in a different way. And I got used to the way she prepared and she got, well, I don't know, <laughs> got used to mine, but we made it work. You know, we just, I remember after our first dinner together, we would drive, I drove her home and um, we had a talk in the car and, and I just said, you know, let's, let's always be really open and clear with one another. I tend to like, you know, like, Sometimes I can be a little much. And if I am, please, you can tell me. And we, we just established that. When we even came up with a, a safe word, when, when um, the one or the other was bugging, uh, bugging the other, um, it was teddy bear. 
So, you know, like, <laughs> we'd be doing something, Joy would be like, Eddie, teddy bear. And I'm like, really? This is teddy bear? And she's like, teddy bear. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. That's how, that's when I knew to kind of, you know, back off. And, and um, I threw a couple teddy bears out there too. But we were always surprised, like, what? Really? That was teddy bear? <laughs> yes, teddy bear. Oh. So that's crazy. We just had we just had we just had a good line of communication. You know, we're adults. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, weird, right? <laughs> That's so great. Okay, um, I'm so glad to know literally all of that. Um, so moving forward a bit, so you tweeted recently about being 18 years sober. Ooh. Huge congratulations on that. Your sobriety is old enough to vote. Um, <laughs> Uh, we noticed in our last episode that Pete said he was eight years sober and that aired 10 years ago. So that means that your sobriety times were... Has it been that long? <laughs> Only since the first episode. It's not like 10 years okay. since the last yeah. one. It's okay. My hair, they're all gray. Ah, it looks great. Um, yeah, yeah. Pete's commitment to sobriety comes up throughout the series and I think it's handled really well based on what I know about these things. But given all that, we wanted to know how you approached portraying that element of Pete's character in terms of your own performance or any conversations you had with the writers or producers about how to make sure that was captured correctly. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, thank you. Uh, well, our exec producer is also sober. And I've known him for years and years and years, Jack Kenny, um, who is, uh, he went to Juilliard, he's a genius, he's a throwback, um, he is um, old Hollywood style comedy, um, you know, comedy with a heart. You know, if I may, it, it, it feels like a lot of the comedy today is kind of mean-spirited, and it's kind of like, um, here, I'm up on my soapbox. Um, it's mm -hmm. kind of like um, horror has become gore. Like horror equals gore. Mm -hmm. So horror being psychological horror, which I prefer. Um, and, and, and same, I think, has happened with comedy. You know, it's just, it's, everybody keeps trying to up the, you got to up feeling like you got to, you know, increase your meds, right? Well, you need more, more, more. And um, he's not that way, you know, which is why, again, why I think that the show worked because he just, he, he's able to write, um, he was able to write family, um, uh, the, the family bond, a flawed family. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, even in the most serious moments in life, you know, we, we do things that make us laugh because that's what we need to be able to deal with the gravity of the serious situation. Um, and he, he and I were talking about it and, you know, actually, I don't know if, if he, I can't remember exactly if like I read the script and I was like, Oh, you put my sobriety in there. And he was like, yeah, I thought it'd be a good idea. I can't remember whether exactly how it went down, but I knew that I was, totally on board. I was like, this is a great idea because it, it shows that Pete is, there's more to Pete than just cookies and licking things, you know? <laughs> it, and it, it kind of, obviously it, it gives him layers and it, and it, you go, oh, okay. So that's maybe why he does a lot of the things that he does. And that's true with me, you know, I mean, um, I, I, I used to go to a party and stand there with a drink and just that gave me something to do because I was uncomfortable and, and, and then to deal with my discomfort, I would use jokes or, you know, use, I was using either this or I was using instead of just being me, you know? Um, and, and, and that's, I think that's, I think that is true for a lot of people. I always admired people that are just like, 
And then I was like, well, maybe that's them doing the same thing that I do with the things that I use, you know? Um, yeah. So I was all for it, you know? Um, and again, I think it, it shined a light on um, what is kind of a stigmatized, you know, mental health is stigmatized. You don't, you don't want to talk about, you know, depression or anxiety or, uh, and those are both things that, you know, I have to deal with um, myself. And um, along with my drug addiction, alcohol addiction, addiction to anything that makes me feel other than whatever I'm trying not to feel like. So, like, I like Godzilla movies, so I'm going to watch 20 of them in a row. My eyes are bleeding. My wife's like, if you don't stop watching these movies, I'm going to divorce you. Or Call of Duty or Diet Coke or, or whatever it is, you know, that, that, um, that uh, gives me something to do or think about other than sitting there going, you know, <laughs> what's happening to my life, you know. So, so anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was a great idea. And, um, I, I don't know if it really affected uh, how I played Pete. Just honest, just with honesty. I just tried to be honest, you know, just like I, there wasn't a whole lot of acting going on for me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know if you can surmise uh, but I'm the, the line between Pete and and myself are is pretty you know it's pretty blurry it's a pretty <laughs> thin, it's a pretty thin line so I was lucky that way I got to just show up and have fun with my friends you know that's awesome did, did I answer that question yeah you did great <laughs> uh, thanks Miranda uh, yes. Yeah, so you uh, mentioned earlier the sort of good looking dummies. And this is something that we were really interested in with the character of Pete and how much he may have changed between either early drafts and then what ultimately became the show. And then also, you know, the arc of the series is really broad and a lot of incredible things happen. So if you had any insight into his development, uh, that would be amazing. Oh, well, um, as I said, initially the, the show was supposed to be much darker. Pete was just supposed to be the, you know, archetypic, um, you know, handsome, serious Steve McQueen. Um, although I must say, you know, there was an element of, there was an element of uh, Indiana Jones in there. So there was a little more light than, than, um, than just um, you know David Duchovny from uh, <laughs> X Files. <laughs> yeah, big X Files fan. <laughs> um, but so what happened was, um, you know, like in the pilot um, when Artie goes, I made cookies, and like my instinct was to just go, ooh, and and. <laughs> Um, that was never written in there. And so <laughs> I remember when we shot it, the director was like, okay, you know, maybe do another one of those, but go back to, you know, the, the, just the, just the, whatever it was. Right. And then that became a touchstone for the show. I remember the first season that was like in all the, promos was I made cookies ooh so it just showed you who Pete was right yeah but yeah it written initially it wasn't like that and then um what happened was David uh Simpkins who was our who's is an amazing guy great writer um uh he kind of had a direction for the show that that maybe sci-fi and Mark Stern um, he, they just had a different idea of where he wanted the show to go. So um, they hired Jack Kenny, and, and David kind of became a co-EP with Jack. And Jack and I had, had known each other 
for a long time. He was a, a producer on my first show ever in 1998 called Holding the Baby, which was a sitcom on Fox. And and Jack knew, you know, what a ham sandwich I was. <laughs> and he just, he he wrote to my strengths, you know. He, he wrote to my strengths and, and um, you know, I mean, a lot of people... There were there were people out there that just like considered Pete to be a big a big goof, you know, like you know, oh God, you know. Then all of a sudden, Pete comes in and you know licks something or pushes a button and causes a catastrophe. I was like the Gilligan, you know. Um, but um, you know, every every uh, Gilligan or uh, every skipper needs a Gilligan, you know. Every uh, Costello needs a an Abbott, you know, and um, uh, so, I'm sorry, I, I, where was I going? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay, um, we do that all the time. Uh, the, the way the character, um, developed as the, as the, you know, I mean, Pete kind of got a little more silly and silly as it went on, but, but the brilliant thing about Jack is there were, there were layered um, serious moments in there where like Pete snapped out of it. Like whenever Pete needed to snap out of it, he, he could and he would. Whereas I don't think Gilligan could have. Uh, <laughs> know, you guys know. Oh, Gilligan's we know. Island? I mean, we know. <laughs> oh, we know. Yeah. All right. Um, for, for you youngsters. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, Pete always rose, was able to rise to the occasion. And that's what made him a, a, a fleshed out character. Um, and that's why it was always so wonderful to play him is because, you know, he, he, he was everything. He was all, all parts of what I consider to be, you know, they, people talk about toxic masculinity, which I don't know. I won't go there, but, uh, <laughs> Pete was the antithesis of, of that. He he was he was in my opinion the the perfect male role model because he was strong he was polite he was respectful he he was um, loyal he was honorable but at the same time he hadn't. He hadn't been so overwhelmed by social pressures as to let go of his childhood and the things that he loved as a kid. And I find that a lot at sci-fi conventions. It's like, look, when I was a kid, I, I collected comic books and I loved Godzilla and, and I loved horror movies and all that stuff. And now I'm an adult and it doesn't mean you have to, you know, they say, you know, you have to put away childish things and it's like I don't know I don't think you need to put them away you just need to prioritize and 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 Pete was Pete was able to do that he was able to prioritize his his childish things um, when it came to his his family and to the, the the greater good of of what he considered to be his own humanity so that's so brilliant. And also you're so good at like anticipating where we're going with these questions. It's crazy. Oh. Um, because my yes, next question. Yes, I'm anticipating. <laughs> I got a vibe. So. <laughs> oh my God. We're going to make that into a clip of something. I'm sure. <laughs> um, because my next question is the show was always really bold in its commitment to highlighting the voices of women and queer people and people of color and Pete was such a huge part of that in supporting all of those voices, too. And I was wondering if when you were on that show or since then, if that's something you ever thought about or how you feel about that being part of the legacy of the show, because it really resonates with people in that way. Um, when they created the character, uh, the Jinx character played by Aaron Ashmore, who's one of my favorite people on the planet, um, my my boss, Jack Kenny, who's also gay, he's sober, gay, checks all the boxes. <laughs> um, he said, I want Pete to be the coolest 
the the most inclusive straight man that I've never met. And um, so and I was like, I'm down, I'm down, you know. So there's that scene where, and it comes from such an honest. Um, I wouldn't even call it naive. It's just, it just comes from a place of honesty where he, where he, you know, he, he finds out that Jinx is gay and he's like, you're gay? He's like, oh, Jesus, excuse me. He's like, yeah, and he, so he takes his shirt <laughs> off. He's like, drink it in, brother, drink it in. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Jinx is like, Pete, Pete, put the shirt back on. <laughs> shirt back on. He's like, dude, no shame. You know, I mean, I work out for a reason and none of these clowns, none of these clowns, you know, look at me. So at least you can get. And, um, and again, it's just like, it's such a, such a like honest place, you know, so lacking any kind of judgment about, I mean, he doesn't even, the gay thing doesn't, it just goes right by. I mean, who cares? Like, who cares? Like, your your sexuality doesn't affect mine, and so what does it matter? And, and that's, I mean, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I can't, I can't always say that I've, that I've been that aware. And, you know, I mean, we've come a long way uh, since I was a kid, you know, um, when I was in school in, in, in Northeast Ohio, there may have been a gay in my <laughs> school. And uh, he was the one that, uh, you know, was acted funny, you know, but no one actually funny. Um, no one actually ever even said, you know, hey, I'm gay. And that's and, and had other people say, cool, where, what are we doing tonight? Right. Yeah. And, um, but you know, I mean, you, you, the more things you experience, the more people you meet, um, it, it broadens your understanding of the world. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I met people and God, I mean, Jack is, is, um, I love him like a big brother, sister, you know, he's like, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely one of my heroes you know and um and uh you know it's just so i think that that's just great you know if, if the show i mean the show was able to do so many things like that like just all of a sudden you know somebody sitting out there who was like ah, i'm like i mean i think i'm gay i don't know if i'm gay but i'm afraid i'm worried that the way people will perceive me and then they see this 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 reaction from pete and they go are there really people like that? And and it, and maybe there are, and and there are. You know, I mean, there are people like that. I mean, I I'm one of them. I mean, you know, I'm converted, man. I, <laughs> not that I ever had any like, but you know, there's just it's just when you're a kid, you don't you don't know, and you know the way you're. T it's it's kind of like the same with alcoholism or drug addiction. It's it's like a he's, he's gay. Talk about it. Like, why not? Like, wh wh who cares, man? Um, um, so, so actually, um, when I do conventions, um, you know, usually, have you guys ever been to a site, like a convention? You I've been to Comic-Con, yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you sign, uh, when we, when people sign, they, you sit behind a table and early on when I started doing conventions, I sat behind a table like everyone else and I had this young young lady come up to the table and you know she was nervous i could tell she was nervous and we talked for a while and then she kind of started talking about the show and she eventually it came out that you know she was like i, I think i'm i think i'm gay and i'm afraid to tell my parents and it's killing me and um you know, she said she was like, you know, borderline suicidal. She had had some suicidal thoughts. And, um, you know, I got up from the table and I came around and I just gave her a big hug. You know, we stood there for a while and, you know, she was crying. And I was kind of hugging her, holding on to her. And I just said, hey, you know, I think I said something to the effect of, you know, this is your life. You know, you have to, you have to live, you have to live 
the truth, live the truth, you know, and, um, and just, you know, be who you are and be cool with that. And, and, you know, your parents may not accept it and, and that will be heartbreaking, but at least you won't have to live a lie. You know, you won't have to live your days in, in, in a lie because that'll kill you. That'll kill you. And, um, she wrote me, uh, she wrote me, I don't know, years, maybe not years later, but a year later, I guess. And she said, Eddie, thank you so much. You changed my life. I told my parents they're okay. We're, it, our relationship is better than it's ever been. Um, you've, you're, you've got a fan for life. And, and, and I, so I just, um, I, from that day forward, I, I always stand out in front of my table and I hug everybody that comes to the table, you know, because I'm just like, you never know who needs that hug, you know, who needs that, like, that positive affirmation that, like, you're accepted and, and you're acknowledged, however, despite whoever you may think you are or whoever you are. And you know, I'll get a lot of people who are like, uh, I don't know why you're hugging me. I'm just in this line because my friend said they like <laughs> And I'm not a big hugger. And I'm just like, well, sorry. If you stand in my line, you're going to get hugged. And that's just, that's just the way it is. And so deal with it, sucker. <laughs> that's amazing. That's a beautiful story and shows the power of fandom because we know very much especially for generations that have access to social media and can see positive role models that they look up to, just, you know, reaffirming them and validating them. And I know Miranda has another question, but before we move on, I just wanted to, like, let you know that even though the show's not on anymore, it still has that effect and it brings people together. We have a couple followers of our podcast who we talk to on Twitter who are women and they're married and they said they met because they started watching the show. And I just wanted you to know, like, it's still something you're a part of. is still like really affecting people in major ways. They, that's pretty cool. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes it all really worthwhile, you know, cause as an actor, as an actor, you know, like I said, you know, okay, go home now. You get a lot of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of it is like, what am I doing? You know, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to, I want to, you know, make my mark and I want, you know, I want to be remembered for doing something positive. And so if that's, uh, if that's the mark that I've made and, and, uh, if, if my career should, should somehow end tomorrow and warehouse 13 is my Mona Lisa, then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because, um, you know, I mean, people need to feel good these days as opposed to feeling shame or, you know, I mean, you know, personally, I, 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 I understand. I walked around with my own shame for so long because of, you know, which, which, you know, pushed me down into like, here, I'll solve this shame by taking this or drinking that or doing that. And so I get it. I get it. You know, I mean, I, 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 um, there are different forms that I, I have never necessarily experienced, but I can relate because I think it's all, it's all comes down to probably the same core issues. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so my next question is about another important part of our show. Um, cause I'm an academic. So, we interview historians and experts about the individual artifacts mentioned in the show. And we wanted to know if you had a favorite artifact or an artifact you remember being a part of an episode or anything like that. Um, I, I think my, my favorite artifact would be um, the spine of Sarazen. Um, and the reason that I say that is because for a couple reasons, um, the first thought was, you know, I don't know if you remember, but this thing is attached to Pete's back. Yeah, it's a good episode. It's really scary, yeah. Yeah, I, I showed it to my kids when they were just little, and they both 
started crying. Yep, you <laughs> cried, Jack. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, they were little, and I was like, no, it's okay. I'm see, I'm right here. I'm. It's okay. It's just TV. It's just it's make believe. And they're like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> um, but as an actor, it was the first time in my career where you don't know if you can, as an actor, I guess you don't know if you can really express, you know, I mean, I, especially, I, I just, I didn't grow up as an actor, you know, I didn't, I, I played football and I was a wrestler, I played baseball, you know, so like I was, I was, um, I guess I was not necessarily from my father, but just in society, you know, you're raised to be boys, you know, tough, strong, no show emotion, you know, all that stuff. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to properly convey the, these, these emotions um, in the scene where he says to Micah, you know, go, you know, get out of here. I'm going to take the fall um, and and um, sacrifice my my life and myself for um, the greater good. So as an actor, you know, I tried to I tried to apply it to my my sons, to my family, and and I wanted to express that in the the. Uh, um, the emotional part of that scene and the scream and the the pain and all and so it was very cathartic you know it was very cathartic to be able to just do like this insane primal scream um at the world you know and and i was proud of myself because i didn't i didn't edit myself i didn't like go ah <laughs> you know like i I, I, I let the world see who I was in that moment, you know? Yeah. And I, and I was proud of that. Um, I know it seems weird. It's like No, it doesn't at all, uh, actually. It, I like, watched the episode last night, and I, I just was, like, in a positive, like, a great way. I was, like, stepping back and thrown back by the power of those exact scenes, the scream and the pain and the just earnestness of his willingness to sacrifice himself. It's totally there. Thanks. It really comes across. Thanks. Yeah. And then, and then the other part of that is from the show's perspective, you know, as soon as all that goes down and Pete has almost given up his life and he's recovering from almost dying, the first thing he says to Micah is, are you okay? And I'm just like, oh, so that's who I want to be. Like, that's who I strive to be. You know, that's who we should all strive to be. At least that was my perception, right? No, that's mm -hmm. so great. Like, we, I, we're we all nodding along. The listeners, you can't hear this, but we're all nodding and just really agreeing emphatically with everything he's saying. Mm -hmm. and, and and so I, I, not only was I proud of myself in that moment, but I was proud of the show. And, you know, because that was kind of early on in the, the series and I just was like I'm proud of this show you know I'm proud proud to be able to to be able to like send out that type of a message instead of you know like death and hate and anger and 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 and, and, and there's there's all that stuff in the show uh, there's anger and there's death and there's hate but there's also there's also the other side of it, you know, and and um, and uh, and I guess in most shows they, it's not just hatred. There's always the other side. You get the 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 yin and the yang. But um, but just personally, I was I was proud to be able to to be uh, that messenger, you know. Yeah. Um, so that so that that the spine of Saracen sticks out for me. Um. What, I don't know, what are you, some of your guys? And we can, maybe we can talk. Do you guys have any favorite? Um, I really like H.G. Wells' Time Machine. <laughs> I, I, I like the you idea. Like the time Machine, or is it that you like H.G. Wells? 
I mean, like all of the above, but honestly, I, I'm really interested in what a different approach it is to time travel than normal because it's finite and it's only mental. It's not physical. Like you, your brain, your mind goes back to a different place in a different body. So I don't know. I found it was just not a perspective of time travel I've ever considered before. And I liked the implications of that and what it could mean. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, yeah. lots of smarties in the writer's room. Definitely. We, we <laughs> noticed that a lot. Lots of small references to historical things or they never even, you know, show you a story based on a particular artifact, but you know that that artifact is there or, you right. know, right. the astrolabe always blows my mind because of just the, I think, powerfulness of that arc in the episode, but mm-hmm. uh, or in the series. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of great artifacts if you're like us, we are both <laughs> lovers of history and lovers of science fiction. Mm-hmm. So Warehouse 13 is just like the ultimate candy shop. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, um, when uh, it, the um, the telenovela episode, <laughs> um, uh, Seduction Salvaje or Savage <laughs> Seduction, um, the fact that when you went into the telenovela, if, if as long as you were holding Harvey Corman's cufflinks, I mean that reference to Carol, because you know Carol Burnett, Harvey Corman, Mel Brooks, yeah. all those old kind of almost vaudevillian um, comedians. <clears throat> I just thought that was just so brilliant because I don't know if you know this, but Harvey Corman and Tim Conway, um, they would you know Harvey Corman had a a habit of breaking scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. He would always laugh, you know, and they would be like, oh, come on, you know, like, and so if you held on to the cufflinks, um, you, you would stay in character. Right. And, um, that's such a great way to convey that. Like, how so cool smart. Is that? I guess just related to that, I had a question. Was there any artifact that, you remember, because as Miranda said, for every episode we have an academic expert on to just talk about the cultural context of things and where it came from. Uh, Did you ever have an artifact that stood out to you in terms of, oh, I want to know more about that history or that, you know, thing? I mean, uh, there was always, you know, you'd open up the, you'd open up the script and it would talk about something and then immediately, thanks to the Google, you know, you and so um, I was constantly learning about, you know, new stuff and new people. And, um, you know, it's it's been a few years. I'm, I haven't I haven't watched the show. And <laughs> it's OK. So I apologize. I can't really off the top of my head. Um, I know that at one point they were going to do um, they thought about doing the microphone that that Adolf Hitler used. During um, like the the uh, the speech at Nuremberg and um, uh, and and the the microphone is what really was used to hypnotize the, the crowd and I don't know it just it never got in for whatever reason but I just thought you know what a cool way to you know um, speak about something that happened historically a terrible thing that happened historically and 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 um and yet in 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 interweave it in into the warehouse 13 story obviously it never happened but um it was just uh, little things like that that just reaffirmed that uh the the writers were smart (laughs) it was the meat puppet that (laughs) the lines so, um, it's funny though. We we ended up uh, there was um, I used to take the uh, this was back when flip phones. You know, we had flip. Oh, phones. I know. <laughs> and I had this uh, I had this flip phone, and every time I would flip it, I used to flip it open like the um, the Star Trek communicator, and I'd be like, Kirk Enterprise, Kirk <laughs> Enterprise, Kirk out, and flip it back. And, and I started doing that with the with the, um, the farms work. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember, um, it was the, 
what episode was it? Uh, maybe even the body. Uh, no, it was the Alice Liddell episode, I think. Okay. And um, where Pete and Mike are kissing the hall and then something happens. And, and uh, I just, during the scene, I went, Kirk out and flipped the <laughs> Farnsworth clothes. And I remember the writers were like, Wait, he said Kirk out. What did he, did he say? Kirk out. He said Kirk out. Can we put that in? Call back to LA. Call back. <laughs> Is that all right? Are we, are we any infringement? Or can we say Kirk out? And they're like, we got Kirk out. They can, he can say Kirk out. Okay. <laughs> and so, so then we just we just started adding in more and more stuff like that. Um, little um, little you know, as you said earlier, Easter eggs for for the audience, you know, and, and for the sci-fi fans across the spectrum, you know, it was yes. cool. That's awesome. Do you have any current or upcoming projects you'd like to promote? Anything we can give a shout out to for you? Um, right now I'm working on a uh, Netflix family sitcom with uh, Sean Astin, who played Samwise, right? Yeah. <laughs> on Lord of the Rings and um, Goonies and, you know, on and on and on. I mean, the guy is a, he's a Hollywood legend and, and just happens to be one of the nicest human beings uh, I've ever met, uh, just to put that in there. And it also has um, uh, Melissa Joan Hart, who played Sabrina, and, um, and uh, this... Uh, cast of, of young people uh who are fantastic because it's a family sitcom it's 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 um you know where where the disney sitcoms are a little more disney this this show isn't quite as disney so that the young actors are are they have a really um deft uh hand at being able to go back and forth from the comedy to the to the series, uh, the lead gal, her name is Sienna Agadong, and she's from Hawaii, and she's just fantastic and lovely. And um, so that'll come out in, in April on Netflix. Awesome. We'll definitely cool. remind our listeners to check it out. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. This has been amazing. Thanks, you guys, so much. Thank you so much, and keep up the good work, okay? Thank Absolutely. you. We Thank appreciate you so it. Much. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs>